Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Active Optimist podcast. This is Arena, your host, the Active Optimist. With everything I do, I want you to believe that you don't have to be depressed forever. I truly believe that depression is the ultimate cry for help, not for happiness, but for connection back to ourselves and what truly matters. I'm here each week to support you, bring community, and give you daily actions to address the social, psychological, and biological causes of depression so that you can step into the life you know you're meant to lead. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hi guys, it's Arena. Welcome to this episode. I'm so glad that you're here. So excited. Hope you are doing well. I'm doing okay. I recently actually got sick, so if my voice catches, that's probably why, or just because I am new to this whole podcasting thing and it's a learning curve for sure. But isn't everything? So everything's a learning curve. Even this podcast, even the actions that we will be taking together to live an antidepressant lifestyle is a learning curve. And each step, each action builds on to each other and makes us better, even when we feel that we're not moving anywhere and we're not going anywhere and we're just in circles and we're in the same exact place that we were before. But yeah, so I'm really excited about this episode because I recently finished Kelly McGongal's The Joy of Movement, which sparked this conversation because she really spoke about the why we should move, or not even why we should move, but why we are made to move as human beings, and the joy that movement inherently brings to us, which I thought would be interesting for you guys because we're all looking for more joy And her take was very different than most um, exercise-centered takes, which focus on the reps and the nitty-gritty of what you should do, but kind of go along the lines of, you should be doing this. I know you're not doing this, and very uh, guilt-trip way of talking about it. So I liked the way that she talked about it in just how we humans are made to move, and she breaks down various science and by using other people's stories about how they use movement to better their life. She really just showed how it's essential in our well-being. So in today's episode, I will talk a little bit about what she wrote about in the book and what I thought would be pertinent to us when we're talking about depression. And then we'll talk about what we can do practically. So give you some guidelines on how to start putting movement into our lives as a antidepressant measure. And then just some general ideas that I had that I just wanted to talk about. So Kelly's book was really, really great. And it'll be linked in the show notes. And I just want to start with a quote that she says in the conclusion, I'm pretty sure. She says, physical activity stands out in its ability to fulfill so many human needs, and it makes it worth considering as a fundamental, valuable endeavor, end quote. What she's talking about here, which is at the conclusion of her book, is that physical activity taps into our instincts as human beings to survive. The instincts of persistence, of cooperation, of the invention of the future, or invention in the future, 
creating community and overcoming hardship. So these five, five instincts to persist, cooperate, create community, overcome hardships and invest in the future are instincts that are tapped in when we move. And all of these work together to create a joy in both the short term and the long term when it comes to movement. As I said before, it's often in popular culture associated with the runner's high, the elusive runner's high, which as someone who hates running, I have never felt the runner's high. But alternatively, as someone who likes to do exercise classes sometimes, I do know what it feels like, the the feeling of being a ball of energy, basically, at the end of a workout class, a really hard workout class is amazing. So uh, for me, the runner's high is not from running because I just I've just never felt that. And I've barely probably made it past the conserve your energy um, part of movement. But the after exercise class glow, just feeling like when you come out of an exercise class, you're feeling great. You feel loose. You feel full of energy. There's often a lot of chatter because we're feeling super social, super good, amazing. And in our body, generally this feel good of exercise is usually chalked up to endorphins. We all know that endorphins spike when we do something good. Those are the feel good hormones, which we feel which we are often told are imbalanced when we have depression. But um, what Kelly focuses on is a more powerful system that is also at work when moving the body. We also activate the endocannabinoid system. And if you see it spelled out, you'll immediately recognize that it has cannabis in the name. And you're like, wait, what? And this system was actually discovered when scientists were seeing what cannabis does in our bodies because cannabis has been used throughout human history as something that relaxes you, fights pain, de-stresses, fights inflammation, all these good, great things. And obviously in modern times, the idea of cannabis has changed a lot, but it's still the same plant and has the same molecules. Anyway, So this endocannabinoid system was discovered by scientists who were studying what cannabis does to the human body. And actually, there's this whole system, this whole regulatory system that decreases pain and boosts mood and just helps the body regulate itself, stay in homeostasis. Interestingly enough, the cannabis molecules, the molecules that go into the system are actually um, mimicking a hormone that you already have in your body, which fluctuates up and down very quickly. So it's hard to actually study because it doesn't stay around in the body that much. And this is the, what we would call the bliss hormone, which is the hormone that makes us, gives us this runner's high. And it really kicks in while we exercise and as we persist in our exercise. So unlike the endorphins, which just kick in when you do good things, this bliss hormone called anadamine, which is taken from the Sanskrit word for joy, bliss, and delight. So anyway, so this hormone is produced in your body 
as a kind of reward for persisting in a purposeful movement. So we need purpose, we need persistence in a movement, and there we get that joy hormone. That's where we find joy in movement. And movement for Kelly is a broad term that encompasses exercise, but it also encompasses just all things that move our physical body, obviously. Well, move our body, moves our body, but specifically any purposeful movement of our body. So dancing can do this, exercise can do this, walking can do this, gardening can do this. Really anything that has a purpose that moves our body can do this. So yeah, what I find so amazing is that this is built into our system. That we, when we persist, when we start moving in purpose, we actually get a reward. And as someone who has exercised, has gone to exercise classes, has gone through spurts of not exercising, I know that that is a true feeling. And I would like all of you guys to feel that and hopefully harness it. Depression and movement often get a bag rep because it's pretty insensitive to tell a depressed person, oh, you should just go to the gym. Like, I know that I should be going to the gym. Everyone's telling every single person that you should be going to the gym. I know that exercise would help me, but I'm just so tired or I just really can't commit. Like I go one day and then I'm tired the next day and then it just keeps going in this endless cycle. How do you expect me to go exercise to move my body when I can barely focus on my work and my schoolwork and all the social things, let alone exercising, let alone finding the energy to move my body for an hour or so. And it's totally true that if you tell a depressed person, oh, you should just go to the gym or whatever, even a non-depressed person, but a depressed person even more, that is totally insensitive. So I don't want to come across as telling you, oh, you should be going to the gym. But I wanted to show you the advantages that movement can bring to you and hopefully open your mind to maybe trying out something to do to move your body that you may not see as exercise or just break it down into super small bits because we actually don't need that much movement to get the antidepressant effect that movement brings. When you're depressed or suffer from a lot of stress, we don't want to overstress the body even more with super intense workouts, heavy lifting, all that. So what the research has found is that 30 minutes is optimal so you don't overextend and overstress your body even more than it already is. Our only focus on the upward spiral, not the downward spiral. So we don't want to overstress the body. We just want it to bring it back to what it's supposed to be doing, aka moving. Studies after studies have shown that movement is an effective treatment of depression with it being an adjunct to conventional therapies, meaning that you can do both at the same time and it'll actually make your progression even greater or have a greater effect on you. Or studies have also found that exercise can be as effective as medication or psychological intervention in the treatment of depression, which I found really, really important and really interesting to share because one therapy is, we obviously know therapy is really expensive. 
And if it's not expensive, it's just really hard to find a therapist that you click with that is really working with you, that really is invested in your recovery and will not give up on you. And second, medication. Medication's great for a lot of people, but oftentimes it's not great for people. Or if it does work, there may be a ton of side effects that are even worse than depression itself. So exercise and movement should be taken very, very seriously when we're talking about recovering from depression because it's been shown multiple, multiple times that this is effective in battling depression and may not be and is often not the only treatment that we do, but it's a start and it's somewhere to, you know, somewhere to go and something that we know is actually going to help us. And it doesn't have any of the negative side effects that medication or therapies or any other thing would have. Like there's no negative to this. Specifically, aerobic exercises are the easiest for us to do because they're the easiest to measure in terms of what we need to do to get the antidepressant effect based on these research studies that that have studied this. So let me break down a couple numbers for you and then we'll go on to actually putting this into our real lives. Aerobic exercises, meaning exercises that raise our heart rate, are the easiest and most effective and the most researched in treating depression. When we talk about these aerobic exercises, we want our heart rate to be between 60 and 90% of our max heart rate. We can figure out our max heart rate with a simple formula. It's 122 minus our age. So for me, my max heart rate would be 99 beats per minute. And you can measure that with your finger on your pulse and a timer and see how many beats per minute you're doing. I find it easiest to figure out how many beats I have in 10 seconds and then multiply that by six. So you have 60. Research have shown that 90 minutes each week have an antidepressant effect, meaning this is 90 minutes. This is an hour and a half per week across seven days. So we could do 30 minutes for three days and you have four days off. That's literally nothing. So when we do this, take five minutes to warm up to get your heart rate in that aerobic range. You don't want to, you know, go from sitting on the couch to like a really high heart rate because that will stress your body even more than it already is. We don't want to over physically exhaust ourselves. So we add stress to the body. Again, people have also reported antidepressant effect with many anaerobic exercises, movements like weight training. Um, but this is less research. So I would stick with the aerobic, which is the cardio, you know, heart rate exercises to start. And then as you figure out what you like, obviously you can branch out and build onto that. So implementing this in our daily lives. Well, first of all, it doesn't have to be daily because as I just said, we only need a minimum of 90 minutes per week. So this could be every other day. Let's say, let's say we're doing, we're moving every other day. So to move every other day, we first have to figure out what are we going to do? And this is when 
brainstorming comes into action, which will be our action of the week. So let's try to find something that's A, fun, B, practical, and C, that we actually think that we're going to actually do. And yeah, so this is a great time to start this because the spring, if you have allergies like me, outside may not be the best for you. I just go to the gym, but I'd much rather be outside and in the sunlight. So then we get that vitamin D extra bonus. But if you're like me, you might have to, you know, do something in your house or at the gym, which is obviously less fun. Anyway, if you're not the unfortunate few, the unfortunate ones, it's a perfect time to do this because spring and it's getting warmer and walks are just cute. Obviously walking is the easiest exercise that we could possibly do. We can walk in a circle for 30 minutes. We can walk to town and back and that would probably take more than 30 minutes. You can walk anywhere for 30 minutes. You can walk to the grocery store purposefully for 30 minutes. You can walk basically for 30 minutes, 15 minutes there and back and maybe try to get that heart rate up, break a sweat, who knows? Invite a friend, get your dog, just try to make it fun. For me specifically, because I do have to go to the gym or yeah, I have to go to the gym. I I commend myself going to the gym no matter how bad I feel, no matter what I do at the gym, I commit to go to the gym. Even if I'm feeling at my very worst, I get my clothes on, I get in the car with all my stuff, with my water bottle, I drive to the gym, I sign in and I go to the locker room. I go up to where the, you know, where the exercise is and I decide to do something. At the very least, it's just a slow walk on the treadmill. I probably am not getting my heart rate up in that range, but I just commit it to being there. And if it's like five minutes and I just can't do anything more, just leave. And But you committed, so... That's that. So even if you're not at the gym, just commit to this. Drive to wherever you, you know, do your walk and get out of your car, get on the path. And if you really, really can't do it, then just go back in your car and drive home. That being said, really aim for three days a week for 30 minutes. I really, really want you to do this. And so, yeah, so this will take a lot of individual trial and error to figure out what you are going to do, what works, what doesn't work. For me, if I didn't know, I would go out and I would feel my nose would start running. My eyes would start running. It would just be a total mess if I walked outside for 30 minutes. So it might take a bunch of trial and error. Um, Swimming equals an aerobic exercise. So if you have a pool nearby you that you have access to, that's always fun. I love being in water. And music, let yourself be moved. Music, music is so great, so fun, so relaxing. Everyone loves music. As human beings, we inherently love music. So make a playlist, make a 30-minute playlist and or longer, but If you don't like the timer, do a 30-minute playlist and just commit to doing something for 30 minutes. Also, dance equals aerobic exercise. Because if you dance for 30 minutes, that's, that's that's heavy work. So I love dancing. Just dance and let yourself be moved. Make a playlist. Go through the emotions that are, you know, being expressed in the song through the musician. 
I love that. That equals 30 minutes. 30 minutes of aerobic exercise. And if you can try to make it social, even if you aren't, you know, talking to people, go to a park that you know people will be around, will be there. You don't have to interact with them, just they're there and it's kind of a community that goes to that park and walks or goes to the parks and, you know, plays frisbee or whatever. So you see the people moving around and moving their bodies just like you are. And you turn into that, you know, community. And if you go every day at the same time, it's very likely that you'll see other people there who are always there every day at the same time. And you'll have that little connection between each other, which I find really great when I see the regular people. And I kind of feel like I know them, even though I don't at all, like I don't know their names at all, but it's just a little community that we make. Last but not least, Just remember that clarity follows action. If you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know where to start with your antidepressant lifestyle, just do something. Just move. Just go on that walk. Because even if you hate that walk, even if you realize that you do have spring allergies and you can't stand another 30 minutes outside, You learn something from that and then you can redirect your way. You can figure out, is there a gym nearby me? Yeah, so action is an antidote to depression. Getting out and start focusing on how to live instead of everything that is wrong. Do something different. Even if you have no idea if it works, do something different and see where that leads you. What I learned from Kelly's book is that movement is human. It's an expression of self-love. It's human to take up space. Even if you feel ashamed of your body, just remember that this is a human experience, that you are human no matter what you feel like inside, what you look like outside, you are human. And it is your birthright to be able to move and take space If you can't move for some reason, if you have an injury or a disability that isn't allowing you to move, this is a time where we should get creative. Maybe if you are allowed to, you know, put pressure on a certain leg, maybe swimming might be great for you. Swimming is super, super gentle on our body. And if you are really, really struggling on Um, how to move or what you can do physically because of the pain that you're in, talk to your doctor and I'm sure that they'll be able to point you in the right direction. And just to sum this up, another quote from the book was that, quote, movement offers us pleasure, identity, belonging, and hope. It puts us in a place that is good for us, whether that's outdoors in nature, in an environment that challenges us, or with a supporting community. It allows us to redefine ourselves and reimagine what is possible. It makes social connections easier and self-transcendence possible, end quote. I just really want to encourage you to take part in what makes us human, That what makes us wonderful human beings, every single one of us. This is what we're made for and is something that we need to do to help us, you know, live an antidepressant lifestyle. We need to reconnect to our bodies, to what makes us human, to 
what we were made to do. So much of our culture and society currently is actually detaching us from our natural state, from what we are meant to do, what makes us happy. So the action of the week is to brainstorm and write down three movements or activities that you can start doing three times a week for 30 minutes. Just brainstorm it and put down the first three things and try those out for next week. And if one doesn't work out, cross it off and try to brainstorm another thing. If you are really blanking, ask a friend about what movement or activity do you like to do or Google it. And yeah, so just make a list. Feel free to cross it off if you hated it. If you loved it, star it, highlight it, do what you got to do. And yeah, you can always change it. It's open. But this week, I just want you to brainstorm and write down three things and have them there so you have somewhere to start. So that's the end of this week's episode. Let me know if you have any questions. My DMs are open. I love getting questions from you guys. So you can follow me on Instagram at Irina Erickson or the podcast on Instagram at Subsequently Depression. Please, 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 if you learned anything valuable in this episode, please leave us a iTunes review that helps the podcast so much since we're just beginning and share it with your friends, share it on social. If you tag me, I'll definitely repost you. And yeah, so thank you from the bottom of my heart and I will hear from you on the next episode.